Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 13, lucky 13 um, of my podcast and today I'm flying solo today and this is going to be more of an educational one and one that I am, I guess, have always been interested in and always try and I guess educate my um, my athletes um, about and that's and that's fatigue. So over this next, um, well, however long this takes, in case I go off on a tangent, um, I basically want to explain to you, you know, what is fatigue, how it occurs, why it's important, and how we might monitor that. Um, and again, in essence, the, the, the reason why I, I want to share this information with you guys today is because... Um, I'm of the firm believer that if you have a clear understanding of what's going on in your body and understand the reason why you're exercising or your training sessions are structured in a certain way, um, it's to enable certain things to happen. So progression, adaptation, recovery, for all of these things to happen. And, you know, if you're going into a session and, and you're not kind of sticking to the way that it's structured, then, you know, you're not really achieving what you're meant to be doing. And, you know, the chances are it's going to have a negative effect on the days after or perhaps even at a later stage. So, you know, first take home is stick to your plan. <laughs> so anyway, guys, let's get cracking um, with, with, with fatigue and sort of, you know, fatigue is something that tends to limit our performance whenever we are, um, you know, whenever we're, whenever we're training or whenever we're, you know, in a race or anything like that. Um, and I guess sort of by definition, um, we would say that, um, fatigue is whenever there is a decline in muscular force sort of due to exercise or it may just be simply as it's an exercise-induced diminishment or impairment of performance. There are many different definitions that you will see floating around depending on where you read them or, or um, you know, where they're referenced or whatever, the, or whatever the case may be. But again, in a nutshell, guys, it basically is just a slowdown or a performance decrease. Um, and I think most of us sitting here, we tend to have a generalized idea of what causes fatigue. Um, but the beautiful thing about, about science, you know, about fitness in general, is that, you know, research is constantly evolving. And the more we learn about the human body, the better we are. Um, and fatigue and fatigue management, especially, you know, at high-end um, athletes, is something that, you know, it's, it's very hot at the moment. You know, if we're able to understand, you know, how fatigue happens, when it happens, how we can minimize the effects of fatigues either during or or after, um, how we're monitoring, it all just puts us in a better situation to kind of, you know, make us fitter, stronger, faster, which is ultimately, as a coach, what we want to be doing. So having a clear understanding, you know, of fatigue um, is very, very um, important. So if we look at sort of how fatigue manifests itself and that would be kind of the first nugget that I want to kind of share with you guys um well we know that obviously fatigue tends to slow us down but but why um and I guess if we were to break it down into kind of um you know two 
distinct forms, we might look at it as one. Um, we'll talk first one about peripheral um, fatigue. Um, and that is whenever we there is a failure, obviously, to maintain the amount of power that we're putting out. And that, in essence, would be caused by um, perhaps two different types of, um, of actions. And that would be one, um, by a byproduct buildup. Um, and the second one would be the depletion. So let's look at, at look at both of those. So as a byproduct um, buildup, whenever we work out, we create different substances within the body that can kind of cause um, fatigue. And we're all probably aware of what is touted in classes. Oh, it's just the lactic acid burn in your muscles. And, and where it's kind of, it's just a very loose, um, it's just a very loose line to use. And in fact, it's, um, it's a little bit wrong in the way that it is. And if I kind of explain to you um, a little bit about that, it's not due to the buildup um, of lactic acid. Um, lactate is a naturally occurring product within your body. Um, and it is actually not, it, it, in essence, it's not a fatiguing product. In fact, it's actually a very useful product where we can actually convert that into energy depending on the level of intensity that we use. Um, but it has just kind of, you know, caught on. It's like whenever I call someone the wrong name, it just sticks. Um, but if we kind of break it down, um, you know, whenever we produce lactate and we produce lactate without oxygen, it tends to be that there is also um, a buildup of hydrogen ions, um, ions within the body. Um, and that there would be, you know, a reason why there would be a decrease um, in power output, because in essence, the hydrogen ions um, change the pH level or the, you know, the, the pH level within the blood. Um, and as that does that, then there is a copious amount of other things that it has a negative effect on. Um, and it can decrease the amount of certain substances to help with muscle contraction. And without getting too geeky about that, it's basically just a change in pH. And if we always go back to what the body wants to do, it's to maintain a level of homeostasis within the body. So if your body senses that your pH levels are higher, then it's going to want to downregulate that. In essence, it's going to want to come in and be like, no, don't want to do that. Let's slow things down. Let's slow you down. Let's get the oxygen back in and let's try and, um, you know, bring our pH levels back to, um, you know, a level that we are happy with. And that would be the first one. So, you know, um, peripheral fatigue, and that would be due to uh, this. The first one would be the buildup. The, the second one that we would um, be looking at is, is the depletion of glycogen. Um, and other um, certain compounds that you would find within the muscle. Um, whenever there is not a readily amount of, of glycogen or blood glucose or, or glycogen with, from the liver in order to fuel your exercise, then your body is unable to produce energy. And again, depending on how intense you are exercising, um, it will reduce your um your performance and it may have a fatiguing factor. So, so those would be the two from a from a peripheral fatiguing standpoint, which is the, um, the byproduct buildup and the depletion of, of glycogen. The second um, sort of form of fatigue that we would be looking at would be the central fatigue. Um, and that is where it's actually not coming from the muscle itself, 
but rather from the central nervous system. And the central nervous system, in essence, is obviously made up of your brain um, and your and your spinal cord. Um, and when it comes to the brain and the central nervous system, um, you can kind of get a little bit lost. And it's because it's a very, very complex system. Um, and it, it, in essence, also wants to remain in a certain, in a, you know, in homeostasis. Um, and with regards to the... Um, the central fatiguing um, standpoints, I want to just kind of flag up um, a certain theorist called um, Tim Noakes. He, he's the creator of the central governor model, and that was in 2012. Um, and he, he basically says that fatigue is, is derived by the human brain. And it's not so much these byproducts, but in essence, it's the body's interpretation of what's happening in your body that will affect your ability um, to respond to um, the training. So with regards to central fatigue, and specifically talking about Tim Noakes' particular central governor model, um, it's basically a way of um, responding to certain situations um, and being able to regulate that depending on our past experience and and the information that that it receives it comes from both sort of internal and external sources so if you look at sort of the internal sources it's able to establish things that are going on with inside your body so that's going to be obviously sort of the change in respiratory gases that are you know within the body at the moment um, muscle pH um, you know the lactate and metabolic concentrations you know heat core temperature glycogen and fuel sources but it also takes into fact other uh, in into consideration other things such as external factors such as the paces that you're running at your split times what you're visually seeing in front of you competitors and any type of auditory feedback and, and encouragement because these here also have an effect on your fatigue and you know hands up if you've ever been there where you know you could be training by yourself and, you know, on your training peaks on the day, you've been asked to do, you know, a threshold test, that 20 minute all out bite of effort. And you go into it and, you know, you're by yourself and you perform, you, you, you go ahead and you do it. And Addy, it, it, it's okay. Um, but then, you know, you go in and you do it and you have people around you, you have the music on, um, all of these other factors can play a massive role in your fatigue. Um, and that's and that's obviously something that is being obviously investigated, um, that it's not just what's going on inside, but it's also your perception. Um, and that's often what we see is that the, the perception factor can often um, sort of, uh, you know, sort out the, the good, from from the bad and the, their ability to interpret this this information and individual ability to ignore certain things to complete the task at hand. So with understanding that um, fatigue is subdivided into these two distinctive forms, um, we might be wanting to know now. Okay, now we know this, but you know why why is that important? Well, whenever there's fatigue. Um, it obviously is going to affect your, your performance then and now, but it can also have a carryover into what you're doing um, in the next session. Um, and if you are experiencing fatigue or holding fatigue, um, 
you're not going to be able to have the ability to meet the demands of the session, which in essence is not really doing your training plan any justice and not really getting you to where you want to be. And if I go back to what I said at the very beginning, which was stick to your plan, well, the plan's there for that intended reason. So like, you know, if, if you're doing a hard session, you know, expect it to be hard. If you're doing an easy session, then then make sure that it's easy because those easy sessions are there to enable for one, adaptation to certain systems, but also so that you're not constantly holding a lot of fatigue. And when there's a lot of fatigue, that's whenever you know, you're know you just gonna blunt your ability to get better and you're putting yourself at a more at-risk zone for you know overuse injuries or just overstress. Um, your body can only cope with a certain amount of stress. So that that is super, super important. And it's it's probably one of the biggest bugbearers of mine um, whenever um, people fail to kind of understand their reasoning for that there. So if we know why it's important, because, well, we all want to get better. Um, what about, you know, how we would monitor that? Um, you know, for for top athletes, it's it's a it's it's constantly changing and evolving of way um, of of using different types of methods such as qualitative data or even quantitative data such as you know you know subjective tests, wellness questionnaires before they go into their um, to their sessions, but also things such as you know heart rate variability, um, you know. Um, objective tests where they test prior to going into sessions such as a counter movement jump to see if they hit the right amount to be able to undertake a high um, a high intensity sessions and ultimately if these here are being applied to top athletes to enable them to perform then you know there are also ways in which you should be able to interpret how your body is feeling before you go in and hit a session I often see, you know, so many people coming into the gym and coming into classes and and they're just tired and they literally just run through the motions of the class and they never really they never really seem to progress at the level that they should be progressing. And it's kind of sad because if you only understood that if you just, you know, maybe even did a little bit less, it would actually get you a little bit more in life. Um you know, so like I said, so the, the different ways in which you can you can test it, you know, um, for myself, um, for the past year, you know, I've been using um, something called called a whoop. Um, and a whoop is a, basically a tracker and it tracks heart rate variability and it tracks obviously stress. And also it's also a really cool tool because it enables you to track your sleep. Um, but I think just towards the end, the sensor for me just kind of got a little bit skewed and it wasn't really giving me accurate data. Um, but you know, it was very, very interesting to see, and obviously seeing that, you know, whenever I had a hard session day before I wasn't in a prime position to hit a hard session. Um, you know, and I would say that probably, you know, most of the times it would have been a little bit right. Um, but to be fair, um, you know, um, there could have been, an element of error within that. I often find that, you know, you you can be, you know, your own best judge when it comes to how ready you are. But from a coaching perspective, you know, I definitely like qualitative data, you know, um, feedback after each session, how that felt, you know, using a scale of actually just happy faces. 
um, you know, and also sleep. Um, those would be the two main things that, that I like I like to look at. Um, and also um, sort of like a, a stress score of each session, which is based off metrics that we are able to establish either based on power thresholds or, or heart rate thresholds where I'm able to see, um, you know, the amount of stress week on week. Is it being progressed linear? Um, but also how the body is responding to that through an algorithm that's actually used um, assessing sort of fitness form and, and fatigue. And it really, that's probably been actually a very good indicator. And you kind of know when to kind of pull the pull the rein back, or pull the reins back. Um, and sometimes more often than not, you, you tend to, again, as I said, it's very, very individual of how people respond because it's not just what you're doing in the session. You know, it's what you're doing outside of that. And that could be a totally different podcast. Um, but you know, these, these having many different ways in which you can establish your readiness to train again, are, are super, super important. Um, and guys, I mean, that's, that's fatigue in an essence, we've kind of covered what it is, how it occurs, you know, why it's important. And I guess a few different ways in which you can, in which you can monitor it, um, without getting sort of too geeky, but you are often the best person to assess whether or not you're ready you know if you haven't slept well you know if you've had a big day at work you know if you've had a big session the day before to go in and do it again the next day and the day after and the day after until you know <laughs> you can't do it anymore is not the right approach to take to your training um you know and that's where knowing this knowing your why knowing why you're doing certain things to get you where do you want to be is super super important and understanding that you're an individual you have a starting point that's very very different to everybody else you have a lifestyle that's different to everybody else so yeah that's 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 what I wanted to see to take away from that there um so guys I hope you've enjoyed this this podcast I hope um that you've been able to take something away from it um and until next time guys stay healthy